Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. This podcast is a solo episode where I will be sharing with you seven of my own personal pillars for parenting and guiding seven-year-olds. And I'm not entirely sure if that's what I will label this episode as. I've been sat here for a couple of minutes thinking of ways to describe what it is that I want to talk about, but that's where I'm at. I'm kind of on the same page of seven pillars for raising seven-year-olds just because I want to share seven things that I've really been focusing on in parenting the boys. And it's been no secret I've shared on Instagram that over the last two years I have felt really lonely in parenting the boys at time even though they have a dad who loves them very, very much. It does feel lonely when the boys are with me and I'm on my own with them. And so I've really been cognizant and aware of the really important things and values and lessons that I really, really hope to instill in them and also experiences and ways to connect with the boys that are really meaningful because I feel like when I have them, it's really about quality time. And especially now with them going to school, Like on a school day, if we wake up at seven, we're out the door by 20 past eight for school drop off. Then we're home again, say three, three thirty. They're cooked from a big day at school. They'll have afternoon tea, a bit of a play. They might listen to an audio book. Then before I know it, it's time for them to shower and have dinner and get to bed. So really thinking about the time that I spend with them and just what's most important to me led me to really zone in on a couple of things For this season of their life. Now, you do not need to have a seven-year-old, let alone seven-year-old twins, to be able to take this advice and put it through your own lens and put it to use in your own dynamic. Perhaps you're an aunt or an uncle or you have a baby or children that are much older. I'm sure a lot of this will apply. So without further preamble, I'll get stuck into it. The first one that I want to speak about is carving out time to have soul days. The boys and I have started using the term soul days. I don't even know where it came from. I think during times when they've struggled with the separation and having two homes, there have been times when I'm like, oh buddy, you just need a soul day. Like you just really, really need some connection time. 
And so focusing on soul days and this concept, and it doesn't even have to be a full day. You could have soul hours or, you know, a soul half an hour before bed, but really being intentional, I think is the key. Being intentional in the way that you spend your time together and what you bring to the table and what you leave at the door as well is important. So I recently just had a soul day with the boys and when I do this with them, I would ideally like to do this one-on-one, but we just haven't had the chance really to do that. So I did a dual soul day for the dream team, as I call them. And I like to plan outings that we've never done before or experiences that we've never done before because when you do something new with someone and you go through something, particularly if it's something a little bit outside of your comfort zone, it really strengthens the bond that you have with the people that you're doing it with. And I really want to create memories for the boys and I love being able to see them grow and I don't know, it just really puts you in the moment. So soul days for me, when I'm planning them, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking, okay, what is a shared experience we can have that is going to leave a lasting impact? What's something that they'll be able to talk about for a couple of days and hopefully, excuse me, remember for years and years to come? So the day that I just planned this week for them is on a Wednesday And I originally thought in my mind I would give them the whole day off school, but we have been on a roll with a new drop-off plan and I don't want to mess that up. So I dropped them to school for the normal drop-off, picked them up at 11 and I had planned two outings and I explained to them, one of these things, one of these experiences we're doing is really in your comfort zone, but the second one is out of your comfort zone. And so we had a big chat about comfort zones and They are at an age where I can really put things, I think, into a realistic perspective for them to understand. And so I spoke about comfort zones and I shared, you know, the first time I spoke at an event, I was really outside of my comfort zone. I'd never done that before. I was really worried about it. I lost sleep about it. But then once I did it, I built up a memory for it. I built up resistance for it. And now it no longer terrifies me. And so we spoke a lot about that about our comfort zone and you know we spoke about how the first time they went to inflatable world they felt a little bit overwhelmed but once they got in there it was fine and just giving them some context I really wanted both of the outings to be a surprise as well a really positive surprise because I I I don't know I just want I like I like being able to do that for them I think it's fun I remember being a kid and having that sense of wonder and being so excited about what could happen and letting your imagination run wild. So I didn't tell them what we were doing, but I did give them the context of activity one, you're going to be really comfortable with. Activity two, you might be a little uncomfortable with, but we're all there to support each other. And so they were having a great old time sort of hypothesizing and guessing what we could be about to do. And they came up with some really wild things as well as some actually really great suggestions too. But nonetheless, the first experience was an art experience at a local studio down here. And I've popped her tag up on Instagram because it was really, really brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I booked us in for a clay workshop. So it was just the three of us in this gorgeous studio with this beautiful teacher And we all just got to create um, some things, some creations, create creations, very original, um, with clay. 
And it was so nice because it was really quiet and peaceful. There was no music, no one else around. The boys were able to just get lost in what they were making. We were able to talk about it. They painted theirs. They had fun. They were laughing. And so we did that. That was great. The boys made like monsters and Pokemon things and snakes. And that was really nice. And then after that, we had a nice little afternoon tea. And then I took the boys to experience number two for our soul day. And it was horse riding. So you can jump over to my Instagram and watch a little reels clip that I put together. And you know, my boys, they can be apprehensive with bigger animals. Like if a big dog runs over towards them at the beach, they're not the sort of kids that are head on charge at that dog. They will retreat and, you know, peacefully offer their hand or apprehensively, I should say, or tentatively, nervously (laughs) offer their hand to to the dog. And so they're not super confident with big animals. And in the past, I had mentioned horse riding and both of them were like, no, 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 no. So it was a risky move because we could have arrived there and they might have completely just dug their heels in and not been ready for it. But I think in a way, them not knowing worked in my favor in that instance. So we arrived, they were very excited, but they were also apprehensive And anyway, I won't go into all of the details because otherwise this podcast will go forever, but it was a real opportunity for them to coach themselves a bit through breaking out of their normal comfort zone. And I could see them doing it and I could see it tested them. It really did, particularly given that there were two horses and one was significantly bigger than the other. So having to sort of negotiate that dynamic between the two of them when they were both feeling nervy, but we let it play out and they had the best time. I could not believe in particular how confident one of them was. He was so natural at it, like just in the saddle and his little hips were rolling the way that you would expect them to roll if he'd done it before. And they were both so proud of themselves, And I think that that's such a nice component of a soul day experience is experiencing that little bit of challenge, but that pride and that connection and that sense of teamwork, like we did it guys. And so they had a ball, they now want a horse. <laughs> um, and after their horse riding, they were both going over and patting the huge German shepherd dog that on our way in, they were cowering behind me because of. So I could see in real time, very quickly, the confidence this gave them. And then we had, they had a nice bubble bath at home. We had an early dinner and a date night. So we call date night when we watch a movie and we have dinner with a movie and some popcorn and things like that. I can't even remember what we watched. Oh, it was a Bigfoot movie. But It was just a really nice day. And yes, I pulled them out of school for that day. And I've had people ask me on Instagram, do I think it's a good idea to pull kids out of school for a soul day? For what it's worth, my humble opinion is a big fat yes. And that, that might not sit well with everyone. But for me, what they learned that day, I believe is going to be more valuable than what they learned for those, you know, four hours that they missed out of in the classroom. And so I loved it. So my first pillar for raising seven-year-olds is to carve out time to have soul days. Do you need to give them a day off school? No, not if you don't want to. But if you have the ability to surprise them, think about how much it would light them up to have that experience and that opportunity. And you can do it on the weekend. You can do it after school. But just 
it's it's fun. Like it's fun to plan a date for your kids that you know is going to bring them so much value. Just go with low expectations of making connection the most important thing, connection and fun because we all get so busy and sometimes being a mum, you just get so tense because you're doing things all the time. So to really drop into that soul connection is so special. Now, pillar number two is based around a quote that I heard and I cannot for the life of me remember who, where, how I heard this quote. I just know that I didn't think of it. And it's something that I heard. It must have been in an audio book or a podcast or something. And it stuck with me. So whilst I don't, and I've Googled it, but I can't find the correct attribution. So whilst I don't have the correct person to say, this is, you know, the person that said it, um, I think that it's just the messaging of the quote is probably more important anyway. And that is, do not try to make a happy child happier. (laughs) So don't try to make a happy kid happier. I have been leaning into that as a pillar because I can do that. You know, sometimes I will see the boys playing and I'll think, oh, would they be, you know, should I suggest that they do this next? Or, you know, I can see that they're enjoying that type of play. So why don't I suggest that they add this to their game? And some, you know, that comes from a place of wanting to improve things or wanting to contribute to their experience, but you don't need to. Like if your kid is happy drawing with one pen you probably don't need to offer them 20 pens. You know, that's, they're in their flow state. And so I don't think I need to unpack this pillar too much rather than to just stress to parents. I have really, really lent into that and it's, it's nice and it's, I don't know, I'm enjoying that, that lens of looking at certain experiences that the boys are having and going, they're happy enough. I don't need to add anything here. Like we're good. My third pillar for my little seven lessons for seven-year-olds is to really keep in mind, and I've spoken about this before, so excuse me for flogging a dead horse, but really focusing on what is the entry fee into your children's world. Now, this applies to all ages. When we have babies, the entry fee into their world is often getting down onto their level. You know, you might find yourself laying on their play mat and reaching up to their baby gym with them and rolling on your stomach and you're speaking simply and you're making funny sounds and funny faces. You're paying an entry fee into their world. You're wanting to meet them where they are. As our kids get older, we have to keep doing that. And it gets harder, I'm sure. I mean, I've seen it get harder just in the couple of years that I've been a parent and I can only imagine it getting harder and harder because as the kids get older, they're going to want to, you know, retreat and there are going to be certain experiences and things that they need to keep for themselves because that's just the nature of the beast. And it might get harder to connect with them as that gap, you know, kind of gets bigger as it tends to amongst generations. But knowing what your entry fee is into their world It's something that we have to keep doing as parents past the point of when they're cute. You know, when they're babies, they're so cute and we want to do that. And then when they're toddlers, they're still cute and we want to do that. And as they get older, it kind of at times on the low key can get less cute because let me tell you, I do not, do not care about poking. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Come on, one bit. Like if I never heard a Pokémon's name again, that would be just fine. I don't care about Bakugan, if that's even how you say it. I don't care about Super Smash Brothers. Like there's so many things that I'm like, Ugh. but my boys care and they identify with whatever phase they're going through. So by me dismissing it, it feels like a dismissal of them to them. So I buy books that they're interested in. I talk about it. I engage. Sometimes it's really hard and I feel like my ears are bleeding because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't talk about geckos anymore. I'm at my limit. But reframing it and going, okay, this is the entry fee to their world for this season. And it's always evolving. It's always changing. And if I can keep that open communication happening, what an honor to be invited into their world. So I'll pay that fee. You know, I will wrestle with them at times because that's a fee into their world at seven. So I just wanted to speak about that because as parents, that's going to just be an ongoing thing forever, hopefully. Number four is I'm really trying to be, and I feel like I have always been aware of this, but more so now perhaps, of the things that I praise when it comes to the boys. I really tend to err more towards the side of praising the behavior that I would like to encourage and the values I would like to instill versus harping on about the values and things that they might do and behaviors that I don't want to encourage. So I really try not to shame them for certain behaviors and focus more on the positive side of things. And it can go right down to little things. Like an example I've spoken about before, I think on Instagram is, you know, one of the boys who this is like, he's just a bit of me, you know, he'll walk in the door and he kicks one shoe off. He'll he'll often leave like one shoe in the car and then the other shoe inside. Like he just takes it off as he moves and that doesn't seem to bother him. And he doesn't remember where he puts things. And I am like that as well. Whereas my other son, you know, and it's just the nature of the beast of having twins is that you can so clearly see differences in their personalities. He takes his shoes off and he places them side by side in the same spot pretty much with consistency every day. He puts his dirty socks in the clothes basket. He even like bundles his dirty socks together to put them in the clothes basket. Whereas my other son, he would like happily flick one in the general direction of the laundry and leave the other one Lord knows where. But anyway, I digress. There was a day that he took them off and put them in the clothes basket without me telling him to or without me asking him to. And you should have seen it. I was like pretty much just short of doing cartwheels. And I was saying to him, oh my gosh, you did it. And I like lifted him up and I was doing that thing when, you know, you grasp your hands together and you like shake them over your shoulder, like victory, victory. And I was really banging on about it. And I even made sure that I then spoke about that really positively in front of their dad. Like, you won't believe what this guy did, right? And so I just did that a little excessively. And yes, that is excessive probably for putting his filthy socks in the clothes basket. But I kid you not, since that day, he now does it almost all of the time. There are times, of course, he's seven, when I have to say, hey, mate, socks in the basket. But a lot of the time, 
he does it and he like, I can see him out of the corner of my eye. Just, he gives me like a little side eye while he's doing it. Like, yeah, mom, you see that? Because he knows that it was important to me and he knows that I noticed it. So really praising certain behaviors and praising things that might otherwise go unnoticed. You know, if they hold the door open for someone, really going, that was amazing. Like, I saw you do that. That was awesome. Or if one of them compromises, you know, if they're both trying to get across their point on what game they want to play or movie they want to watch, and I can see them having a comp, they, you know, they reach a compromise. I will really, really praise that. Like I'll stop the TV, stop the show and say, you know, well done. That was brilliant. So really focusing on praising um, and I guess elevating the behavior that you really hope continues and also the values as well, which leads nicely into my next point. Number five, speaking about values is I am really trying to role model the values that I hope to instill in the boys and the values that I would hope that they reflect upon one day and would think about when it comes to me. You know, I think at the end of my life, there are certain things that I would really love the boys to know about me and go, that's something mum really valued. So role modeling values, role modeling the importance of traditions, the importance of keeping my word, the importance of being flexible and being fun and being silly and light, role modeling that. Also role modeling doing the hard things at times, you know, the things that you don't necessarily want to do and would be easy to sort of, I was going to say poo-poo, I don't even know where that came from, but like diminish, but really making sure I follow through because it's something I want to role model. You know, an example of this is showing up to a work event that I don't really want to go to because I'm not feeling great. I might be feeling self-conscious, but I've said I'll go. So role modeling to the boys, I've kept my word, so I'm going to push through and then talking about what that's like on the other side of it. So that is pillar number five. Oh, and just before I wrap up number five, it's so important to remember that when it comes to parenting and teaching our kids stuff, we can tell them all the things until we're blue in the face. We can read them the rights act. We can tell them about the rules, but they learn far more from us by how we are and how we do things. So that's why role modeling the values is really, really at the forefront of my mind lately. Number six, when it comes to the age of seven, I've noticed that conversation opportunities have kind of shifted a little bit. The boys don't want to talk in the car after school, but they will spill their guts at night before they go to sleep. Once the lights are out and we have read and I'm lying close next to them and often when one will fall asleep and the other is still awake, I will find that is an opportunity that all sorts of fears and concerns and big questions are coming up. So I know that for them right now, for this season, that part of our routine, that rhythm of our evening is a really, really important chance to connect with them. And again, similar to how I said, you know, we have entry fees to their world, noticing when are the natural conversation opportunities at different ages and stages 
You might find that your kids are really chatty in the car because maybe not having direct eye contact with you makes it easier for them to bring up certain topics. Maybe it's when you're doing an activity like cooking or a craft activity, but just noticing when are the natural conversation opportunities that go a little bit deeper than the surface level stuff. And if you notice that, then you can be aware to make sure you are always as available as possible. No one's available 24-7, but you can prioritize those times of your day to really dial in and tune in. And in some ways, it kind of takes the pressure off being you know, the perfect available parent all the time because you realize, oh, this is the time that they are more naturally inclined to want to share. So just looking for those natural conversation opportunities. And I have found with the boys that when we're in motion, so if we're walking somewhere or um, on a bike ride and I'm kind of jogging next to one, that could be a chance that they want they, they might bring up something that they wouldn't necessarily if they were just sat at the table drawing. And yes, bedtime. Bedtime conversations for my two have been really, really insightful. It's when they'll spill their guts about themselves, but when they'll also offer up observations about one another too, which is interesting. You know, when they might share an exchange that they saw at school or something that's been on their mind or ask a big question, you know. One of my boys in particular has been asking questions about step-parents and what it would mean to have step-siblings. And the only time he'll ask that is just before he falls asleep. So that's why I'm happy to sit there after I read with them. We turn the lights off and I'll sit there for 10, 15 minutes and that's when they'll get chatty. And so I really, I don't know, I value, I value that for sure. The next and final pillar that I wanted to talk about is play. Kids love to play and they're naturally so good at it. You might actually even be able to hear in the background my neighborhood kids, the kids in the street are all playing outside now. It's 5.30 p.m. and they're having so much fun. Not my two, they're not with me today, but nonetheless, you might be able to hear kids in the background. Relevant for this pillar, play. Kids naturally are inclined to do so. They will find ways to play in a variety of different modalities And as parents, I think that we sometimes put pressure on ourselves to play with the kids. And sometimes their version of playing doesn't line up with our version of playing. And so they think that it's play and they think it's fun. But really for us, it feels like an act of service. And I've heard Brene Brown speak about this. And so I want to share one of the things that I heard her speak about. And that is she was sharing that as a family... They really sat down and got clear on where do they have crossover in their Venn diagram of play. Now, there will be times, and I've spoken about this with the entry fee to the world, where you will do the act of service thing and you will engage in a type of play that is purely just because you still want to be involved and you love your kids and you know that it lights them up. But there are also opportunities for play that feels like play for everyone involved. So noticing when those times are not and when those times are. And so Brene Brown spoke about with her family realizing where is the cross section of play? What are the things that we all enjoy doing together? And so if you think of a Venn diagram, which is, you know, the circles, then they're overlapping, then there's that sweet spot, 
where the circles overlap in the middle, having a little think about, okay, when do I feel lit up as well? So I can share with you that board games are not my bag. I do not like board games at all. I've never been a board game human. Like as a kid, wasn't my thing. As an adult, I feel like it's awful. Like we have that mousetrap board game and I could think of nothing worse like nothing worse than having to set that stupid thing up and play that game because it's fiddly, it falls over, it combines all of the things I don't like really. But anyway, again, I digress. I do like Monopoly with the boys, it's funny, but board games don't light me up. It feels like an act of service, but playing a game of Uno with them does light me up. Like that is fun. I enjoy that with them. It's comical, it's light, it's quick, it's low setup. It's easy to understand. I also absolutely love jumping under the waves with them at the beach. That feels like play. Going to the waterfalls is play. Going to the water slides is play that our Venn diagrams all cross over and we all enjoy it. Then there are other types of play, like having a Pokemon battle that is an act of service. I'm not doing that. I don't feel, you know, what I get out of that is not a sense of play, fun and being lit up. So that's why my last pillar is about play and as a family unit, really looking at when do you overlap, what areas, what are the things that as a family you all enjoy and can you schedule more of that? Can you fit more of those times in? Is it that you all really love eating at a new restaurant? So, you know, could you make that a monthly or weekly experience? And again, these are things that are going to change as your kids get older. I hope, I really, really hope that when the boys get older, that if they enjoy, you know, going to the gym and running and exercising, that then our Venn diagrams will cross over at that point too. And we can all work out together, you know, it might be wishful thinking. Um, But I don't know. I, I even think now as someone who's nearly 34, like if my dad said to me, hey, let's go do a hike together. I would love that. Like I would love, love, love that crossover. So yeah, just getting clear, where does that crossover exist for your family? I hope that these seven pillars of raising or guiding or parenting seven-year-olds has been helpful for you. And I'm sure that you can see this is not just applicable to the seven-year age bracket. This can be for babies, toddlers, primary school, and even teenagers as well. And maybe not even, you know, if you don't have kids, maybe you have nieces and nephews or cousins or, you know, kids in the street or whatever, just friends that have kids as well. Hopefully there's been something in this episode that you can take and it will make a difference, a positive difference in your life. As always, it would mean the absolute world to me if you take a screenshot of this podcast, pop it up on your Instagram stories, please tag me at Kylie Camps and I can reshare it on my story as well. The podcast is completely independent And I really do truly, truly, truly appreciate your support in choosing to listen to this podcast. And yeah, I'm really, really grateful for it. So I hope that you have an amazing day. Pop it up on your stories. Tag me at Kylie Camps. If you listen to the episode and you've not yet yet subscribed, please make sure you hit the subscribe button as well. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 